we're in this series called Keys to Freedom. And if you're a guest today and, and if you're new to Clearview, Keys to Freedom isn't magic. It's, it's, it's a toolbox, really. Um, it's a, it's a it, you know, for theology, the study of God, for that to work, it has to move from your head and your heart onto the pavement, right? And if it's going to move onto the pavement, it's got to have a vehicle, and, and vehicles look different. And I, I look at keys to freedom kind of like I would uh, a toolbox. You, you have to have tools. In fact, the series that we're going to do after this is called Tools. We're going to walk through actual tools that God has given us to, to pursue freedom. Freedom is a big part of Clearview's narrative. It, we believe, see, the reason we're doing this entire study is we believe that, that God made you for a reason. And, and, and he puts you on this, per, on this planet for a reason. You're not here by accident. But if you're going to discover what that purpose is, one of the first things you have to do on the front end of that is you have to, you have to tackle things. And it's not a one and done. Today especially is not a one and done. Um, today we're going to talk about forgiveness. So uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, uh, we're going to read that in just a second. Um, I, I had, a, I had a, friend, a friend of mine one time talk about how much he, he loved the Sermon on the Mount. And I said... Have you ever read it? Because I hate it. Like all of it. <laughs> like I, hate's a strong word. Okay, I'll back up. The whole Sermon on the Mount bothers me a lot. Uh, because when you read it, you're like, Jesus set the bar so high, man. And this one is brutal. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus, in the model prayer. Now, let me tell you something about what we call the Lord's Prayer. It is not a mantra, right? The Lord's Prayer is not a mantra. It is not something you recite, and it, it is like, you may recite it, which is great. Recite it. Put it to memory. But it's not meant, it's not meant for you to just, you know, regurgitate. It's a model of how to pray. And, and so... Jesus says in verse 12 of that prayer, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins is, is really what he's saying. That word actually means sins. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who've sinned against us, right? And then he even doesn't stop there and, and, and he says, do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And I'm going to tell you something, man. Honestly, that is really hard. That is really hard. And it's hard because, I mean, have you, you think about it. Think about the practical. Have you ever been betrayed? I mean, like, you, you know, um, I don't know of, there's, few, there's very few emotions that affect me. Maybe it's because I was an only child. Maybe it was because, you know, if I, if I want, as an only child, if I wanted friends, I had to go make them, you know. Um, 
But for me, there's nothing, there's nothing that gets into my bones faster than thinking you stood somewhere with somebody only to realize you never stood there at all. Or, or, or to be betrayed by somebody that you... Have you, ever, have you ever really poured out parts of your life to somebody only to watch them like misuse that? And that's brutal. I mean, it's really brutal. Forgiveness is hard when you've been betrayed. You know, all of us in here have been betrayed. You know, we've all, we've all been lied to. I, I, I'll tell you, some people, some people, they're, they're, we all have different things that get into our bones, right? We all have different places. What, what can really send you off a cliff may not necessarily send me off a cliff, right? But I will tell you one of the things that will send me off the cliff, and I am not, it's not unrecoverable, but it takes me a long, 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 long time is when you lie to me. I, man, it, it is, I, I'm telling you, it's why law enforcement officers are so, it's why they deal with, I don't know what they are, I'm not one, but, but they're just lied to all the time, like 24-7. It, it's being lied to or being, being lied about. You ever had somebody misuse information and, and malign your reputation. Like, man, for me, this has turned into group therapy all of a sudden. I don't know. This feels, this wasn't the way I intended this to go. Um, it really wasn't, but it's kind of going that way, so I'm going to go with it for a second. Maybe, maybe I need it. <laughs> maybe, maybe today's about me. Um, but when you're lied about or you're lied to I think the reason it's so hard is because it, it goes into your bones. I see the enemy, the enemy means for things to go into your bones. And I don't know if you've ever had anything done to a bone, right? But I've had a few bones broken. And it takes real work to get that thing back into alignment, right? What about cheated? You ever been cheated? And maybe not cheated on. You ever been cheated in business? Oh. You know, I, that phrase, I always laugh, I always chuckle when I hear that phrase. It's not personal, it's just business. You know who says that? The winner. <laughs> the winner. It's, I promise you it was personal to the person that found out later, oh my gosh, they lied. Or they got me. Isn't it amazing that People will do things in the corporate space that they would never do one-on-one. -on -one. Because for some reason in the corporate space, it makes it okay. No, it's just good business. We lied and, you know, it's just part of it. We, got the, we made more money off that deal. Oh, man. Like, those things are hard. And I want you to know it's really easy for a guy like me to get up here and stand up here and say, you know, you should forgive and, and you should forgive and, and you should do this and you should do that. And, but the reality is we're, we're, we're all dealing with really hard things when it comes to forgive. Some of you are still dealing with divorces you had 8, 9, 10, 15 years ago. You know why? That stuff was real, man. 
Some of you are still dealing with things that was done to you by somebody a long time ago. Because it was meant to hurt. It really was. Some of you are dealing with things from your parents. And, man, you're, you've got kids of your own and you're still dealing with parent stuff. It's, it's real. But when you look at forgiveness in the Bible, there's one thing that you're going to find that's really interesting. You won't find, at least I put it this way, I'm going to say, I'm going to leave a, an out in case I'm wrong. Because I, I was wrong once in 1994, and it was not a, not a good day. Um, so if I'm wrong here. But I have never found a place in Scripture yet where forgiveness, where God attaches forgiveness to an emotion. In other words, if, you fee- if, you're waiting, if you're waiting on feeling like forgiving somebody, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're literally never going to get there. I've got people I'm working on right now that I'm trying to forgive. And I am not there at all. No way. If there was a step one, I'm in the negative. Straight up. I'm in the negative. That's life man. And what I have discovered is that, and and I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget to say it, forgiveness is a commandment to obey, not an emotion to embrace. Forgiveness is a commandment to obey, not an emotion to embrace. And and the reason it's, it's, I think God constantly tells us to forgive in the Old Testament. Jesus tells us he brings forgiveness into a whole new paradigm because if we're, if we're, if we're waiting, you know why? If we're waiting on it to be an emotion, then you're never going to get, you're just never going to get the emotional stamina. You're never going to get the, the, the muscle to forgive. So here's what I thought today. This is a really hard sermon to preach, not because of the topic, because we all know we should. That's why it's hard. When we all know we should do it, but it's really hard. And I suppose that I could probably give you 15, 20, 30 ways you can be a better forgiver. But I don't know that you'll be a better forgiver. I really don't. And I don't know that I would either. I know I should. The problem is I don't sometimes. I know I should. It's just that I don't sometimes because the pain was real. So we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about why God, why is it? Here's the question. Why does God command us to forgive. You ever thought about that question? Why? So let's move into that. Why does God command us to forgive? Matthew uh, 6. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, there's the question that we're working off of today. Why does God do that? Okay, so I'm going to give you two foundational principles that I think we, we can work off of today. And the first one about why, when Jesus said that, in the, in, when he says it in the Sermon on the Mount, why does he do it? Well, the first one is this, that God wants us to forgive each other because we live inside his family. We live inside his family. And, and that is a very real thing. Um, 
church family is a strange thing, you know. Um, if, if you're trying church again, maybe for the first time in a long time, or maybe you're, you're sitting on the margins of church life um, and looking on the outside in, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. If, if you've never really been really involved in a church, this is what's going to happen to you. Um, once you start getting into any form of leadership, whether that's serving on a task force, a committee, serving in student ministry, helping children's ministry, being a deacon, working with Room in the Inn, uh, working in the musician group, being a trustee, finance, it just go on and on and on and on and on. If you... If you do anything to move toward the middle, let me tell you, um, my, uh, how, how do I say this? Like, I, I always have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of sympathy for you. I mean it. I don't say this a lot, but every time I see a person that's never served on a committee before, in my mind, and this is just a skeptic in me, because I, I used to not be that skeptical, but as I've gotten older, I don't know, I am some. Um, but I'm like, well, let's see how long this lasts. Let's see, let's see how long they go to their disillusioned. Now, I'm used to it. I've been doing this since I was like 18, 19 years old. But once, as we say it here at Clearview, we say this all the time, once you see the kitchen to your favorite restaurant, my dad told me one time, my dad actually told me one time, don't ever go into the kitchen of your favorite restaurant. You'll hate it. You, you don't, just eat the food and pay your check and shut up and leave. Don't get to know them, just eat and move on, you know, because it's once you get inside the loop, man, you know what you're going to discover? I'm serious. Some of you probably think, oh, Jason's just being, you know, trying to be humble. I'm going to tell you something. No lie. You start serving alongside people in ministry like me, Shane, Alexis, Graham, you know, Kim Margrave. You just go on and on. You are, it is not going to be long until you discover things that you really don't like about the way we handled something. Shocker. It's just, it's the way it is. Guess what? We talk about you too. Some days. That's not really true. We never talk about anybody, ever. No. No, we, and I don't mean talk about you, like run you down. But I'm telling you, like when you start, when you start working alongside people, it gets messy in a hurry, doesn't it? And so when you, want to ser- when you want to serve in church, it's really no different than serving in a family because in a family, you know, you know stuff about each other. And, and that's why I think if you look, you know, why, sometimes I wonder why do, we, why do we think it's any different? Why do we think it's any different in a church family than it is in a real family? Well, it, it, it is different. And, and, and it's different because there's something that Paul said in Ephesians 2, and I want you to look at this first. Paul said, now, he's talking about the family of God. Now, you who are not Jewish are, 
are not foreigners or strangers any longer. He's talking to new believers in the church at Ephesus. There was a church at the town of Ephesus. Now, you who are not Jewish are not foreigners or strangers any longer, but you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family, Ephesians 2.19. You are no longer strangers and aliens. In other words, if you look at what he's saying right there, look at that middle part. But you are citizens of the holy. You see that? You are, if, you, if you're taking notes, draw a line from citizens to holy. You are citizens of the holy. And because you're citizens of the holy, there's just a different set of expectations. There's a different set of standards. You, I can promise you that every one of you hold me as a minister to a different standard. And I would tell you, that's stupid. That's a big theological word stupid. I was kind of joking. Y'all didn't laugh too much. I, I think you should, I don't think you should hold me to a different standard than you should hold any Christian to. Just because I have reverend in front of my name doesn't mean I'm more holy. The last time I checked, you are called a saint just like me. You really are. You may not feel like a saint, but I never said, I never seen a, a scripture that's got where God said, feel like a saint when you feel like it. No. Saint just means holy one. That's all it means. You, you were made holy when Jesus Christ crucified you, put you in a grave, resurrected himself inside of you. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And because of that, we should all hold each other to a different standard, regardless of the titles in front of our names or after them. We just have, we have a different set of standards because we are in God's family. But you know what? I'm just telling you, man, just because we have a different set of standards doesn't mean that it doesn't get messy. It actually gets more than messy. There's times it gets actually painful. You stick around the church long enough, and I'm going to tell you, Christians are going to hurt you just as much as non-Christians will. I'm serious. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't, it, it, it's hard. It's hard because you're like, I expected more. Yeah. And listen, I expect more of myself sometimes. I really do. But we are citizens of a family. And because we're citizens of a family, that, that's, it's important to God that we are able to forgive one another. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. If you, if you stay in any church long enough, whether it's 50 people or 5,000 people, if you stay in any church long enough, and if you do anything other than sit on the margins and just, you know, come on Sunday, if you do anything other than that, if you, if you are involved in family life, which is normal, I mean, if, if you're in a family and one of your kids isn't talking to anybody, what do you do? Uh-oh, something's wrong. If one of your, if, 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 if you're in a family, maybe you're a student, and you notice your mom's not talking and hadn't talked for months. Uh-oh, something's wrong. Families are supposed to be involved with one another. And so if you're, if you're involved with each other, and if you do that, I'm going to tell you, if you stay in a church for any length of time at all, I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn how to be good at forgiving. You're just going to have to learn how to be good at forgiving. It is never going to go away. It is always going to be something, and the pain is going to be real, and you're just, you're going to, I, I am, it's the same way for me. We are part of God's family, and that's why he wants us to forgive. But there's another reason, too, and this is maybe this is the biggest reason of all. 
of why God wants us to forgive. Not just because we're called to live in a family, but because God, because we, we, we reflect his heart. The way I said it, God wants us to forgive because forgiveness reflects his heart. It just reflects his heart. It is who he is in his nature. He, he, he does forgive. It doesn't, it doesn't make it right when people do things. This week in Keys to Freedom, you studied about how one of the big blockers to forgiveness is there's this mental thing that inside our heads that says to us, well, if I forgive them, it makes it like it never happened. No, it did happen. It did. You're just choosing not to let it own you. That's what forgiveness is. You're choosing not to let it own you. And because you're choosing not to let it own you, you actually have the capacity for it not to own you. Because you're new in Christ. Now, Ephesians 4 says this. Or Alexis read it a minute ago. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. you you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. And because you've been forgiven, if you notice, did you notice something in, in uh, the model prayer when, when Jesus was talking about uh, forgive, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us? There's a sense of expectation there. there there's a rhythm to that. Jesus, Jesus presupposes that you're already going to have to do this. Why, why do you think in, when, when his disciples asked him, hey, how do we pray? They were praying men already. Don't miss that. They were already praying people. Here's what they were saying. Teach us to pray like that. How do you pray like that? We, you pray different than we do. How do we learn how to pray like that? And so when we, when we learn how to pray, he was, he, it's, it, don't you think it's kind of ironic that from the jump, the very, the very beginning, Jesus just, when he teaches us how to pray and talk to the Heavenly Father, forgiveness is in the middle of that. It's right there because he knows. He knows you're going to struggle with it. He knows I'm going to struggle with it. We're going to have to learn how to do it again and again. It's just expected. And the reason that it's in there is because at the heart of Christianity is the simple idea that forgiveness is real. It's possible. Aren't you glad Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God forgives? Oh, man. And if you don't forgive, it's really a reflection that isn't true. It's a part of God's heart that doesn't exist. God, God doesn't hold on to resentment. See, here's the thing. If, if, you, if you don't forgive... If you don't forgive, then the path you're on is going to be one of deep resentment and bitterness. Let me tell you, all of us in here have known people in our lives that were very bitter people because of what was done to them. And there are few things more ugly than a person who is full of resentment 
It will toxify everything about their lives. And let me tell you something. I've watched this, by the way. I've watched people get angry when they were younger and when they were older. They were vile people. I mean, unbearable, knotted up, isolated, nobody could deal with them, mad at the world, and couldn't even tell you why. They just were. You see, I would say it this way. Resentment is the final destination of unresolved pain. That's what I would say to you. Resentment is the final destination. It, it, if you hold on, listen, the Bible never says you can't be angry. You hear me? That's that, there's, there's a misconception out there. You know, people, people, you may even look at me. I promise you, you get close to me long enough, you're going to find something, man. I'm competitive, okay? It is not hard for me to get mad. I, I've, got a, I've got a whole buffet of reasons I can get mad. Right? And you do too. You know? I just live a public life. So, you know, it just, it's harder to conceal it. I try sometimes, but, you know, y'all are smart. I mean, man, I, I get, there's, no, there's not a verse in the Bible that says you can't get angry. I'm going to do a sermon series uh, some, probably sometime in the summer called The Other Side of Jesus. And I'm going to preach a sermon that I've never preached in my life. I've never studied the topic very much. I'm going to study it this summer about that time that Jesus went into the church, to the temple with a bullwhip. That's an interesting story. And I don't know where that one's going to go. I don't know what the altar call is going to look like that day. Okay? But I'm just going to tell you, that's going to be an interesting story. When he kicked over tables and, he, and it says he went and made a bullwhip, he went and made one had time to think about it, came back, and then started hitting people, right? When's the last time you talked about that in church? <laughs> you know, your Savior is saying, I've had, pow! you know, I mean, that's different, man. Anger, anger is a natural human emotion. It's what you do with it. You see, when you let it camp out and stick in your heart and get in your bones, unresolved anger, Unresolved. And what is anger? Anger is just pain when you've been done wrong. Some of you have been done wrong in ways that you haven't told anybody, like ever, 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 ever. There's been, there's been things that you've done, you've done or you did or were done to you that you haven't talked about, maybe only to your spouse or your best friend in high school. And, and you, you just don't talk about it. But the reality is if you do not deal with that pain, it, listen to me, friends, it will deal with you. Do you hear me? If you do not deal with your pain, your pain will deal with you and it will sabotage everything. It will sabotage your career. You'll get fired over it. You, and it won't be because you exploded, because you can't deal with people. And the reason you can't deal with people, because you didn't resolve that whole thing with your mom from when you were a teenager. And you learned to be mad and you learned how to function as an addict to anger. You are a functional addict. You're just functional with resentment. And it comes out in committee meetings and sales, sales team meetings and boardrooms and baseball teams, coaching, and it comes out with your kids. 
See, it's the final destination. Resentment is the final destination of unresolved pain if you don't deal with it. But, but let me, I want to I say something to you. This, here's the hope, right? This is the hope. I really hope you're paying attention right now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 gives me a lot of hope. Look at what it says. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You have, listen to me, Christian, listen to me today. I mean it, man. I'll, I would never tell you something that I do not believe from the depths of my soul is true from the word of God. And I'm telling you, even based on that one verse alone, you have the supernatural capacity to forgive people. You have it. You didn't have it on the other side of the cross. You didn't. But because God forgave you, and because God put his spirit in you, and because Jesus Christ is alive in you, forgiveness is not an emotion. Remember what I told you? Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a commandment to obey. And because it's a commandment to obey, God gave you the supernatural power. Because the Bible tells me also in Ephesians that, that the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave brought me out of the grave too. And so I actually do have the supernatural power to forgive. I don't have the power to forgive people outside of the power of Christ in me. I really don't. Because I'm going to tell you, if it were up to me, I would find creative ways to get back at people that I don't like. Have you ever noticed you're at your creative best when you're plotting revenge? Like you were at your, I mean, the, dude, the things I have come up with of how I could get back at people, you know? I'm serious, man. I could write a book on like really unique ways to like carpet bomb their lives without actually killing them. You know, I mean, it's funny, like, you know, seriously, don't look, y'all are looking at me like you're just way too holy. I know you people. I, I, I have a job because y'all are messed up too. Don't leave me up here stranded, okay? Because you know it's real. We, we have places in our lives where we're like, I can't believe they did that. I'm going to get them, man. It's real, but you have the capacity to forgive. You really do. And you have the capacity to forgive because you're a new creation. You see, when you don't forgive, you don't reflect the change that's been made in you. You are a new person. Aren't you glad you're a new person in Christ? It di I didn't say you're in heaven yet. I didn't say you're perfect yet. I didn't say you're glorified in the body yet, but I said you're different, or at least you better be, because if you're not showing signs of, of transformation, then you've never met the king of kings who has the ability to transform you. You see, the fact that Christ is in me and I am the, I am the embodiment of that, I'm telling you, man, I, I have the capacity to forgive people. If you don't, you... If you don't, really what you end up doing is you end up misrepresenting the heart of God to the world. And there's just, just few things I can think of more ugly than somebody who carries the name of Christ but carries unresolved pain and resentment for years. It, it, will, it will take you into places 
and keep you there longer than you ever imagined it would. God wants you to forgive because it reflects his heart. And I want, I want you to remember, as you put all of this together in your head, that forgiveness is a process. I mean, really. It, it, at least by my experience, the reason Jesus told Peter 70 times 7, it was not a mathematical number. It was, you keep doing it, Peter. Every time that situation comes up in your head, you keep forgiving, Peter. How many times should I forgive Jesus? 70 times 7, Peter. You keep doing it, Peter, until you're there, until you're there, until you're there. You keep forgiving, Peter, until you're there. God, it, it reflects the heart of God. And I, I want you to, to keep in mind as you start the process of forgiveness today with this, any certain situation that God, by the way, God's already brought, some of you already have names. I mean, really. Some of you already have names. Right now, you had them 20 minutes ago. You're like, I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to talk about her. I don't want to talk about that job thing. Don't make me think about that, God, please. Not today. And that name right now that's on your heart, friend, that is God's megaphone shouting at you, warning, 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 bridge out, bridge out. You're, it's the check engine light, right? All y'all know, like pull over when that happens. Don't you? Please tell me you know that, right? Please, please tell me you know that, right? When that thing comes on, Remember, it's a process, and it starts, and for some of you, it starts today. And I want to I leave you with this thought. You have the capacity to forgive, and just don't ever forget. You are never going to forgive any person for more than God forgave you. You're never, gonna, you're never going to forgive beyond what God forgave you for. Because the truth is, you've lied before. The truth is, you've cheated. Somehow, some way, you took more than you should have. You've You've pushed anger in your heart for longer than it should have been there. Everything that you are having to work through to forgive somebody for, God forgave you for it. And when you can come to that level playing field, then you can look at forgiveness. It is possible for you. It is possible. The Bible says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. You were not meant to carry that forever. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary, 
Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Forgiveness is a commandment to obey, not an emotion to embrace. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.